Hey, hey, lovely listeners, it's Kayla, and welcome to another fabulous episode of Mothering Together with ADHD. So buckle up, because today's show is going to be a game changer. I am beyond excited to introduce you to a mom who is rocking the parenting world with her experience as a twin mom and changing lives one potty training victory at a time. I mean, seriously, is there anything this woman can't do? But before we dive into all things parenting and ADHD, let's set the stage. So let me paint you a picture of today's episode. We talk about loss, motherhood, shame, and self-care. And oh, did I mention navigating the twists and turns of having life with ADHD? Yep, that's what we're diving into today. We're talking real life, the spills, the giggles, the oh-so-relatable chaos of being a mom with ADHD. Now, let's talk about our guest of honor. Drumroll, please. Joining us is the one and only Christine Brown. She's not just your average mom. She's a superstar who is conquering the world of parenting while juggling those ADHD curves with grace and style. I mean, come on, twin boys, and she's the genius behind Bella Luna family. You know, it's going to be good. Oh, and speaking of Bella Luna family, this lady has created a hub of awesomeness for all of you parents out there. So if you are diving headfirst into the ocean of child's sleep, tackling toddler behavior, or you're gearing up for potty training, then Christine has your back. So guess what? You can go stalk her on all of the social channels. She's at Bella Luna Family, and yeah, that's where the magic happens. So go grab your cup of coffee, find your cozy spot, or maybe a hiding spot, because it's about to get juicy, and we are diving into the ups and downs and everything in between. Get ready to laugh with us, maybe feel some feels, and leave with your heart hopefully feeling inspired and ready to tackle whatever challenges come your way. This is Mothering Together with ADHD, where we will spill the beans, embrace the chaos, and celebrate the incredible journey of motherhood, ADHD style. Welcome to the Mothering Together podcast. I'm your host, Kayla, and I am here to be your ADHD mom friend. Together, we're going to discover plausible and practical tips for stay-at-home moms with ADHD. It's not like the other podcasts out there where one woman found success doing XYZ strategy and she thinks anyone can do it. No, no, no. We're going to work through systems to find what works for women like you and me who struggle with time management and organization, who have tried all the other things and they didn't work because they weren't individualized and for us personally. As a mom of two and with ADHD myself, I understand how challenging it can be to balance homemaking, raising those little lovable monsters, and managing our own unique brains. But don't worry, you're not alone. Each week, I release a new episode on Wednesday where I discuss topics related to homemaking, parenting, and time management. I get to leverage my connections as a pediatric SLP to get interviews with experts in the fields of parenting and development. I share my own personal stories and the stories of moms from our community. And most importantly, I fill each of these episodes with practical tips that you can try today. The goal of each and every episode of this podcast is for you to have at least one, at least one idea that will give you a whole heck of a lot more ease and a little bit less stress in your day-to-day life as a stay-at-home mom. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom with ADHD or you're just looking for ways to better manage your time in your home, I'm here to help. Go brew yourself the biggest cup of coffee that your Keurig can handle, and let's dive in. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the Mothering Together podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited for you to be here. This has been a little bit of in the works and finally our schedules have aligned and here we are. So I'm just so thrilled. Everyone has already heard your like official real life or whatever, your official summary of who you are. Yes. And I would rather hear what you've been up to lately and kind of you know, what, how you spend your time these days. Yeah, so I have twin boys who are eight and a half. I run a parent consulting company that helps parents with child sleep and behavior and potty training. And so I spend the majority of my time between those two activities. So my twins are currently playing lacrosse, which is way better than baseball, especially if you have ADHD because lacrosse is fast paced. Baseball, I would watch butterflies like in would match my kids like uh, bases running and hitting the balls and stuff like that. So lacrosse is way better. So I spend a lot of my free time on the weekends doing that. And then during the week, I'm just doing lots of work. I have a team of four that works with me. So we, I manage the team and also do one-on-one work with families as well. So those are the key things that take up my time. And personally, when I'm not doing all of that, do you want to know what my hobbies are? Please. I'm obsessed with psychological thrillers on Audible only because I cannot sit down to read a book because I have to be multitasking in order to be able to focus. So I either do jigsaw puzzles in the winter or I do paint by number in the summer. And so I listen to audiobooks and do one of the two of those. Um, and I'm literally obsessed with them. Oh my gosh, there's so much advice already in that <laughs> intro. So, okay, not baseball, lacrosse, done, yep. check that. My little boys are going to be watching lacrosse to motivate that. Although, is it more expensive? I'm not sure. Um, Pretty sure it is, <laughs> of course. <laughs> well, that's the ADHD tax, right? So then the other thing was the jigsaw puzzles, which I love, um, but I I haven't done thrillers since becoming a mom like pre-mom I was all about like scary stuff but now I'm like I can't even handle the thought of doing that so I don't do true crime because that freaks me out too much but like a really good like I don't know like Agatha modern day Agatha Christie type novels like that's a little bit more what I'm into than you know like thrillers or anything that's going to freak me out and make me not want to take my dog outside at night yes that I can do I am with you on that so (laughs) thank you those are great hobbies I had a hobby episode and that did not come up so I'm like yeah, we'll add that to the list of hobbies. It's total hyper fit, total hyper focus. And they're always on my dining room table. So I'll like come down during lunch and I'll be like, do not look at the puzzle. Like, because you cannot get sidetracked by that. Go back to work. Do you not have a cat? See, we have a cat who would just like come and like mess up the puzzle. So like I can't leave a puzzle out. We're dog people, and my dog would climb on the puzzle, like on the puzzle and eat the pieces when she was a puppy, so that was kind of fun, do the whole puzzle and be missing like three pieces or have them all chewed up. Great. (laughs) Thanks, doggo. (laughs) So I'm so excited to have you here. You are like, when I think about the top three struggles of being a toddler parent, 
you kind of meet all those needs, right? Like potty mm-hmm. training, behavior, and sleep. And I think sleep is top priority for most people. The reason why I do all of this, I used to be a high-tech marketing manager. I used to work for Dell. And my twins, I joke, tried to kill me from sleep deprivation when they were six months old. And I actually changed careers. So whenever my kiddos challenge me with something, I then learn about it fix my own situation and then I go on to help others with it and so that's really how the company got started I just became like obsessed with sleep and so passionate about helping other families get the rest that they needed and that was the start and then the boys turned three and I said what sort of fresh hell is this I don't have any tools and I swore that I would never spank my kids because I grew up getting spanked and I swore I was never going to do it because it wasn't good for our relationship. And I had like definite like wounds that had to be healed from that, right? When I got older. But then I didn't have any tools and I spanked them one day. And I was like, that can't happen. I need to figure this out. And so I got a certification from a organization called the early years and I got all the tools and in that was all the behavior type stuff and potty training. So that's how the two kind of joined the sleep piece of it. Although the potty training the boys, potty training twins and potty training boys together, that was the seventh ring of hell. (laughs) Sounds like you've really been through it with your boys. But they're, they're, you know, it's just challenging and trying to navigate motherhood and having ADHD is challenging in itself. And so tell me about your ADHD journey. When did you find out and how did that, how'd that come about? Yeah, so growing up, I just knew I was maybe a little bit different, but I didn't really know what that was. And then through my teens and 20s and 30s, I had some anxiety and depression. And so I thought that was kind of it. And then I turned 40. I can't believe I'm admitting that. And my father was actually passing. And my stepmother told me, like, as we were going through that process, that my father had undiagnosed ADHD. And I was like, what? Like, that, like, light dawns on marble head. That makes so much sense about, like, who he was and how he communicated. And it just made a lot of sense. And so I promptly went home and, of course, took a bunch of quizzes because what else are you going to do trying to figure it out? And these are tests that I aced. So I got a really high score on my ADHD test. So I ended up going and going through, like, the diagnostic testing. So actually went and sat down with a someone who administers that at the counseling center. And, yeah, so came back that definitely have ADHD. But I never knew when I was younger because I did pretty well in school. I had to, in some respects, work really hard and did a lot of, like, last-minute type stuff to have that, like, pressure and I found tools like I used to doodle the whole time that the professor would be or like the teacher would be teaching because then I could focus on what they were saying as long as I was doing something else and so I had these tools that really worked well and kind of got me through Um, but after becoming a mother things changed a lot because I couldn't all the things that I could do before 
weren't necessarily the things that I could do. I used to take like really good care of myself from a self-care standpoint. And then all of a sudden I had two little people and I was taking care of them. And so, which is normal mother depletion, but when you really need those tools and strategies and you can't do that anymore for yourself, like the wheels came off the bus. Mm -hmm. That's a very familiar story for me. And I'm sure lots of other moms who are listening and yeah, it's crazy how like a little human who you have to take care of, just the wheels come off, right? For me, it was like, you're right, the self-care goes away and you just end up totally kind of lost for a minute. And I don't, and I thought that was just normal motherhood. (laughs) I was like, wait, is this what everyone talks about? But no, it was that other step of also, I have like executive dysfunction, right? I'm not, I don't finish things. I start things and don't finish them. I don't have the, I have weak working memory, so I can't like keep things in my head. And it, for me, it was this moment where I, I left on the teapot. I walked away and it's like an open flame to, what is that, a gas stove? And yeah. so that's like open flame. I do have cats. So like, I don't ever leave an open flame around a cat and I did, and I like went upstairs to help the baby with something, and like an hour later, there was no more water in the teapot, and mm-hmm. that yeah. was just a moment where I was like, there was a child in this house, and like that that level of fire danger, like what's going on? What's yeah. wrong? What's wrong with me? <laughs> was the question. That's the most popular question moms of ADHD <laughs> have, right? What's yeah. wrong with me? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so I so appreciate you sharing your story. What a horrible time to kind of be like figuring out all that information, like while you're losing your dad. And I feel for you on that one. Thanks. Sometimes we go through, I feel like all of the tough stuff and like a series and it forces growth. And so uh, that's kind of where I was at that, at that point. And so ended up being a good thing in the long run, but it was challenging getting to the good stuff. Mm. I just heard this story. It was on um, Glennon Doyle's podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. She just interviewed Andrea Gibson, who is amazing. They came on to Glennon Doyle's podcast, and it's worth listening to. They are currently kind of end of life stage going through going through it and one of the stories that they shared during that interview was about a butterfly and how you know they obviously they start off as a caterpillar but Mm -hmm. then they go into their cocoon and the story was that while they are coming out while the the caterpillar now a butterfly is coming out of the cocoon they have to struggle a lot yeah. and humans watching this we want desperately to help because we can't watch the struggle right. and so we often will like help them if we're if we're there and they told this story pretty much in the same way and it was like if we help the butterfly then later on they don't have as many skills and they might right. not survive so yeah. we have to watch and let them struggle. And that is just like 
what what is that beautiful metaphor for life right like you have to kind of support people through their struggle and I feel like that was that phase of life for you right right struggle that just reminds me of like parenting now too is like we want to save our children from all of the tough stuff but we have to let them go through it so that they can have those growth opportunities we can't protect them from everything and take everything away because they have to have that adversity so that they can grow and be strong exactly and we can't what is that term snowplow like we cannot pave the way for them to have everything because they'll get to the end of that snowplowed road and we will not be there anymore and they will not have the skill set yeah i always tell the boys that my job is to raise you so that you can be productive humans, right? And so that's like, I make them do things that they don't want to do, but I'm like, this is part of growing up. So Mm -hmm. it's hard as a mom. You want to just make life easy for them. But you also want life to be a little easy for you because I feel like being mom is so hard. Often. Yeah. (laughs) So let's do a couple of things. We're going to talk let's do a couple of like regular questions. And then if we have time at the end, we'll do some questions that are like specific questions from the community members and that way. And then maybe also we'll do, would you rather, which is kind of fun. So first question, what are some practical strategies that you recommend for moms with ADHD to establish consistent sleep routines for their kids while managing their own struggle of having ADHD, organization challenges, time management challenges, the whole slew of executive dysfunction. What what are your recs? So I think the number one thing that you have to do is like actually figure out what that routine looks like, because if you're winging it every single night, um, it's not going to look the same every night. And children, the bedtime routine like helps children fall asleep. It helps them to sleep better at night. It, you know, long-term just improves overall sleep quality. Children that start with a bedtime routine end up having healthier sleep habits and get more sleep overall than other children, which if you have ADHD children, super important. But if we, part of that is it has to be consistent. And so in order to do that, you actually have to be intentional about developing what that routine looks like and if you have a partner or a husband you know actually sitting down and talking about like what that routine looks like so and then I don't know about you but once I get into a routine and it starts to become second nature it's easier for me to kind of stick with it it might be a little bit tough at the first and then part of me is like wanting to go and do something other than what I'm supposed to be doing and what are my kids are supposed to be doing at that time. But once we really get into it and the kids love it and they thrive on it. So it's easier to, to do that once you have the routine established. And one thing that I love, especially for ADHD parents, when I talk to families that have kiddos that are ADHD and the parents have ADHD, it's really important to set timers for ourselves because I can be doing something and it's, you know, 6.15 and next thing you know, I look up and it's like 7.45 and I'm like, wow, where did that last hour and a half go? And now I'm struggling, right? It's like, cause I'm like, wow, bedtime is actually 7.45. Like, how did I miss this? And so it doesn't happen frequently to me now, but when the boys were younger, I did have to set timers for myself a lot because 
If not, I would lose track of time and not get on it. So if you set a bedtime at 7.30, you set a timer at 7, that's time to go. It's an auditory cue for our children too, so that they know when that goes off, it's time to head upstairs and that's easier for them to make the transition when we do that. Yeah, I think those are great strategies. So I think number one, having a set schedule, and then I'm going to add my own little zhuzh to that and say, make it visual, like write out a visual schedule. That's what we did. We we were your clients and you said, this is what you should do. Come up, come up with your own sort of routine. And we did. And we put it on a post-it note and we laminated it and gave it like a check mark ability. So yeah. yay for that. Love this that. Great. I use that even with my eight and a half year olds. Bedtime got completely out of control a couple months ago and I had to like whip out the routine charts again. Helpful for them to remind them. Have you seen that Amazon like check mark ones? I'll have to show you. Yeah, but then I would actually have to like use that on a regular basis and (laughs) let's be honest. (laughs) I'm with you. (laughs) And then the other strategy, I'm trying to remember what you said. The other strategy was of setting timers and I agree it is so easy time blindness is a real deal thing and then you need it to be at the same time and the last thing I'll agree with you on because there's all of it is great that initial phase right of starting something new there's that growing pain of like I don't want to do it and that's where you come in because I was there I was like I don't want to do it and I was like texting you like this is hard and you were there to say, well, let's keep it going, right? Or whatever for however long. Cause I think I asked you like, how long until this change happens? And how long is it to make a change? Usually, well, for sleep, it's usually within a couple of weeks. We're starting yeah. to make like changes and within three weeks, things are solidifying. So it takes three days to form a new habit and 21 days to kind of break that habit or get into a new routine and have it solidify. If you have ADHD, it could take even longer. Oh, for sure. But it was like, I once I had it in my head, I'm pretty a rigid thinker. So I was like, okay, I can get to the end of two weeks and have it. And I knew if I did that, my little kiddo would be reminding me. So that was the yeah. support. He became And you also support. get the reinforcement, like that external reinforcement of them sleeping better and you're not having like those bedtime battles. And so it's encouragement to keep it going because you see the benefits. So it yeah. us. That's also true. We had like a few days of like, not great nights and then it got better yeah change is really hard it's really hard for people and it's hard for children too but actually once you get that structure put in place they start to just relax because it's no longer free flow and they need that structure and they really do want us to set boundaries and hold them to them even though they want to fight us on them they actually need us to do that and stay consistent so that they can relax into it instead of continuing to to fight us they can't have too much power makes them feel really out of control Mm. and is that so i know that you have the sleep portion and the behavior portion is that kind of the gist of your perspective on behavior is that like we have to set boundaries in a very fair and consistent manner yeah probably the thing I talk about most is focusing on what's right and focus on the positive because whenever when we're having challenges with our kiddos behavior we tend to look at all the negative things that we don't like and then once we're focused on that what we focus on we get more of because then we're talking about well I don't like this I don't like that and instead we 
start to ignore all the things that we do like. And so whenever I get in that place, that negative mindset with my, like my kids behavior, I then turn it around and I start talking to them actively about what they're doing. Um, that is like helpful. And because that was so helpful that you like, you know, picked up your plate. Right. And, Mm -hmm. oh, you're so kind. That was a really sweet thing to do. And I start giving them more. I like to say five pieces of positive feedback for every one correction. And that completely changes the whole energy of the house. That's so true. So I actually did a really cool interview. You're going to love this with Sam Gardner from the happy pillar app. It's not out yet on the podcast. It might, I think it's going to come out before yours though. So people can listen back and it's, this app is so cool. It is AI and it listens to an interaction with you and it gives you feedback on your, like how you interacted with your kid. And one of the things they recommend is what you just said to like, Mm -hmm. thank them and you're not supposed to correct them. It's like five minutes. Like you can put off any corrections for five minutes to just have this like really positive therapeutic moment with your kid and -hmm. then move forward. And for me, and I think maybe for you, one of my struggles, especially in the afternoon is like emotional regulation with my kids and like they will trigger me (laughs) to no end. So purposefully putting those like moments of like gratitude in, I think that's such a great thing. That's so huge. The other thing that I highly recommend if you're someone who gets really overstimulated by your children in the afternoon or at any time is they make these headphones that go in your ears, but they don't block everything so you can't hear anything. They have different like decibel levels that'll take it down. 27 decibels takes my kids to a very manageable level where I can still parent and I'm present, but I'm also not super overstimulated by them. And so I'm not like freaking out inside and losing my temper. So if you feel like that ever, that has been huge for me, especially when my boys were younger. 27 decibels. Are those the, I think they're called loop. Is that yeah, I think order? so. <laughs> I'll, I'll send you the link. You can put them in the show notes if you want. Perfect. I'll do that. Yeah. Well, thank you. So next up, I have another question. So many moms like you and I feel overwhelmed by the constant demands of parenting and managing our own challenges, right? So how can moms who are listening establish sort of self-care practices and manage their own needs while prioritizing their child's sleep or behavior or potty training probably one at a time i would say yeah so this is again we have to get in the habit of doing it and we have to be intentional about doing it and if we fall off track we need to get back on track. And so can I give you an example? Please. My own personal. So I like to work out. I don't love to work out, but I like it. And you know what I do really like is the way that I feel when I work out. And I can tell the difference of myself, like in how I am as a mom and in my business and my mood and as a wife, when I like exercise on a regular basis compared to I get busy doing other things, I'm working on a project, I'm hyper-focused on something else and I just want to get back to what that is and I neglect doing the things that I know that I need to do. And so 
when I see that happening, I normally notice my mood shift. And then that for me is usually within a few days, it's like the switch that flips that is like, okay, you've now like you're snippy, you're short tempered, you and like, what haven't you done? So it's like a really good cue for me that I need to get back to it because I know the difference of me with exercise and me not with exercise. And I like myself more and I like who I am as a mother and as a person more when I exercise regularly. So even though I don't want to do it because I want to do whatever my current hyper focus is, which is usually some project at work, um, I will just like use that as a cue that like you need to do that and I'll just start by walking if that's you know if I don't want to like lift weights I'll just do that so it's just like finding what makes you feel good and when you start to feel not so good doing like just making yourself do it Mm. which is really hard sometimes especially you know because sometimes we know what we need to do and we won't do it but so that's why I set the goal small Mm -hmm something really small to just get it going. But where they say a rolling stone catches no moss. So once the stone gets rolling, then I get back into it until invariably something happens to throw me off my game again. But I always get back to it. Have you heard of the five second rule by Mel Robbins? So she's so cool. So I don't know what it is. She has ADHD. Did you know that? She does. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the five second rule, she says like count down five, four, three, two, one. And then for whatever scientific reason that is in her book, go read it. You're supposed to do something that like moves your body. And I find that in those moments where I'm like, oh, I know I should do something and I don't want to. Five, four, three, two, one. I'm just gonna sh- like click off on my cell phone, which is often my hyper focus. I'm gonna yeah. just click my screen off, and that's an easy enough step to like get that ball rolling toward whatever shift that needs to happen. I love that. I think I agree with you that it is important to be able to return to like continuously returning to our strategies I would say of like taking care of ourselves is so important and I almost honestly I almost called this podcast it exists elsewhere I almost called it consistently inconsistent because (laughs) I and shout out to that podcast but like that is my that is my biggest strength is that I am consistently inconsistent but I consistently will come or maybe I'm inconsistently consistent that might be a better way I am I stay on track but I veer off quite often yeah so anyway I don't know why I got on a tangent but are you ready for another awesome question yes (laughs) okay so communication can be key or can be a key challenge for moms with ADHD How can they effectively communicate with their kids, their partners, or support systems about their needs and strategies as they start working on behavior or sleep, whichever they are working with you on? So it depends on the age of your child. So I'm a huge fan of communicating at an age-appropriate level and I started doing this when the boys were really young that like 
mommy like needs a little break and I would if it was safe and they were old enough I'd actually go in the bathroom and just like take really deep breaths and so but I would just communicate with that and if they followed me into the bathroom they would actually see me taking those deep breaths which started role modeling for them how to take care of themselves when they were feeling big feelings and help them to calm themselves down and so just like age appropriately sometimes like my sons also know that I have ADHD and we've read books about what ADHD is I have a son that has ADHD and so we've read about how it affects him and how it affects me and so in an age appropriate way I will the more that they know and understand about it and how the brain works a little bit differently it's easier for me to be like So this is hard for me right now because of this, right? And so now that they're a little bit older, I can do some of, you know, do some of that. But the more that they understand about how my brain is beautiful, it just works differently, um, is really like helpful knowledge for them because then I can communicate with them about the challenges that I may be having. And if I can't communicate with them, just sometimes the communication is no communication and just taking the break to um, take care of myself for a minute. Mm-hmm. Now, I wish I had this like amazing thing that I could tell you, like, like your relationship and sleep in the relationship. Like if you're working on sleep or behavior, like you have two different people that are parenting and oftentimes they have very different styles and the beauty of working with someone like a sleep consultant is that that's a third party that can actually come in and be like you know how you can tell your husband something a thousand times but he won't listen to you because you're his wife right but if a subject matter expert tells them the same exact thing it's like well that's gospel and so that can be helpful and one of the things that I have parents do is to actually sit down and talk about what their goals are and like their why of why they're trying to make the change Um, and specifically with sleep because working on sleep can be really challenging right and so I have parents actually sit down and talk like talk together about why we're doing this like what's our why like what's the benefit going to be for you know, mom, dad, you know, the child, the, you know, jobs, all of those types of things that sit down and really like talk about that. It makes making changes much easier. So doing that and around behavior stuff, oftentimes have parents like when I give them a recap, sit down and talk about like, how are we going to handle this? What kind of language are we going to use? Because I give them like parenting scripts and things like that so that they know what type of language is going to work really well with their children. And so I always recommend sitting down and like really talking through it. So everybody's on the same page because if you're parenting in unity, it's going to be much easier for your children to have clear understanding of the changes that you're making or to, you know, instead of like divisive, right? Because children can try to figure out. I remember trying to get in the middle of mom and dad and see what I could get away with with one or the other. Mm -hmm. But parents are both always on the same page and they're always backing each other up. Making those changes is so much easier because children don't feel like they have to try to get around one parent to the get to the other easier parent or the one that's more likely to give in. I like that a lot. I wonder if like a like weekly sit down with your partner, like something purposeful. I'm I'm a nerd. I put things in the schedule. I'm like, we're going to chat about our relationship once a month. (laughs) 
<laughs> so we have like, like yeah, yeah, we have like relationship check in. <laughs> but like, you could do something similar where you're like, we're gonna just check in at the like Sundays. I, I tend to chat with him about the schedule, right? But like, you could sit down and chat about whatever change is coming up, and like, make sure you're on the same page that way. I think the scheduling of it is important. That's huge. The other thing that I wanted to mention, I actually said to my husband right before I jumped on this, I said, if it's not on the schedule, it's not real. It's not happening. Like it has to be on the schedule for me to be able to like visualize everything that's happening. But one more thing that is really helpful, and this is something that I do with families, and I'm pretty sure I had your family do it too. (laughs) I'm a huge fan of family meetings especially when you're looking to make big changes because if you're effectively communicating in advance what's changing and you give your children time to get their minds around it and ask their questions and express their concerns and you can validate their feelings but that doesn't mean you're going to change like the new boundaries um it works so much easier in making effective changes than if you just at bedtime are like, yeah, I'm not going to lay down there with you anymore, right? And then they're like, yeah, and now I'm panicked and I can't learn when I'm panicked. So that's why we want to do all of our teaching during the day and then follow through and implement any changes that we're making at night. And the best way to do that two and a half years old and up is by having a family meeting. And it's not like you naughty, naughty child now, like I'm putting the smack down on, make it fun. Children respond to fun. We become adults and we're boring and stodgy now, but kids just really want to have fun, right? So the more we can tap into that and make change fun, it doesn't mean that they're going to love it immediately, but it's going to make it a lot easier for them to make the adjustment and to make those changes. Yes, and I would recommend if you are going to have a meeting with your child about a big sleep change, chocolate milk or hot chocolate. Those were like my way to get him to sit down with us. I was like, we're going to have chocolate milk or hot. No, it was hot chocolate. It was like winter time. I was like, and we're going to talk about sleep. And he was like, oh, God. (laughs) But it worked, guys. We have a sleeper, a super sleeper on our hands. So I'm very, very grateful to you for that. We have one. We don't have two yet, but we can talk about that later. Well, we could work on that too. But I mean, chocolate does kind of make everything better. Uh, yeah, chocolate is the best. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk, talk about guilt and self-doubt and those feelings that come up i think for every parent but honestly if you have had adhd for most of your life and it wasn't diagnosed for a long time like both of us then there's this element of shame that just ekes in to pretty much everything unless you're purposefully aware of it and fighting it so for many moms with adhd we have this feeling of guilt and self-doubt and especially when we feel like we're falling short as a parent. So do you have any advice for other moms about how to overcome that and to build a positive mindset about the parenting journey? Yes. And I struggle with this myself. So I don't want like, I literally do all of this for a living, but that doesn't make me a perfect human or a perfect 
perfect parents. So that's why I share so much of my struggle with clients so that they, you know, know that they're not alone. And I have lots of real world experience to, uh, to go from. So it's very, very easy to get caught in a negative mindset, especially if you're going through a challenging time in any sort of right, but especially in parenting. So like I mentioned earlier, like just focusing on the positive, that's a really easy way to just like start to turn things around. And so I'm not going to belabor that, but that is a really good way to kind of get that changed around. And once we start having more positive interactions, we start to feel better and we get out of that self like doubt, blame, shame game that we can put ourselves into. So that's one thing that I do. The other thing that I do is I look at this, like when we look at our children, we say like, like they're not giving us a hard time. They're having a hard time. Right. And so when I do that, I look at myself almost like I'm a child and I'm like, I'm just having a hard time right now. Right. If you give yourself a little bit of that self-love, it's really easier to it's easier because nobody does better when they feel bad about themselves. I always use this analogy of thinking about early in your relationship, like you're like, oh my God, thank you so much for taking out the trash, right? And then they're like, oh my God, these are the best tacos I've ever had, right? And then you get in on your marriage and you're like, I need to put a freaking bag back in the trash can, right? And then he's like, we're eating this again, right? Tacos and so- again. <laughs> I mean, does anyone ever say that? It was such a poor example. But <laughs> but when we, you know, come at things and we are feeling like super grateful, it's much easier for us to like want to serve, right? So if we are, you know, beating the shit out of ourselves, I'm sorry, is this like, I just said to put an E for explicit. Yeah, <laughs> or just bleep me out. But if you're like beating yourself up, it's just going to keep you in that negative cycle. And so oftentimes when I find myself doing that, like I have to do that one, two, three, four, five, something like that to help me recognize that it's happening. And then it allows me to replace it with something else, like saying like, I'm having a hard time right now and I'm doing the best that I can and I want to do better, but I'm doing the best that I can right now. And that's like a motto of life. I'm like, I'm doing the best I can with what I have to work with right now. And when you give yourself a lot of grace, grace is a way new concept for me. I used to be like perfectionist. I couldn't, you know, everything had to be perfect and grace. So once I started like giving myself grace, it was easier to not slip in there as much. Mm -hmm. Um, So I hope that's helpful. So like trying to get yourself back to focusing on the positive in the house, you know, like gratitude Mm -hmm. and giving yourself a lot of grace and not, you know, recognizing that you're not going to do better because you're beating yourself up. So like, it's going to help you to get out of that cycle if you can recognize that it's happening and then try to find some mantras that are more positive. Mm -hmm. Um, And sometimes when we're doing that, we're not even focused on like what's actually real. We're like, I'm the worst mother in the world, right? Like I suck at this. And we're looking at one episode or one thing that happened, whereas you say to yourself, wow, I just had a really tough moment and I didn't act the way that I want to act. But moving forward, you know, I can... 
I can turn that around, right? And mm-hmm. most of the time I am a really good mother. Okay, and last thought on this is this helps me so major. When I make a mistake, I apologize to my children. And that's something when I was a child that never happened, which made me always feel like I was a bad kid or kids internalize that they're bad if their parents lose their patience and they don't apologize. So I have always made a conscious effort to apologize to them. And when I do that, I say, let's say I yelled, I'm really sorry. I'm trying really hard to be a mommy that doesn't use a really loud voice and scare you. I'm really sorry that that happened. And I'm going to keep working on, on that. So I'm just really sorry that that happened. And then I feel better about it because I had poor behavior and I apologized in which does so many things because it teaches our children too that you don't have to be perfect but when you make a mistake you do need to apologize and so that's like role modeling at its finest right there and that helps me to be like okay I made a mistake I apologize let's move on mm-hmm. right so when our kids apologize we don't keep harping on them about like the mistake that they made right so I allow myself that same gratitude like that same grace mm-hmm. I love all of that there's so much good advice embedded in that and one of the things that I'm pulling out and I don't even know if you meant to say this but you said you think about yourself and you give yourself the same grace that you would have as like to a child and I think for me that concept of like mothering yourself Mm -hmm. is so it's profound to me when I'm in those moments of like feeling alone and i think part of that is just the fact that like when you are triggered by your children you are probably like reliving a childhood injury so mothering yourself through that is like good (laughs) i'm not a therapist in that nature but i i assume that that's good anyway and then i i just you clearly have such a great perspective on behavior and and all of that. So I think that's really exciting to hear you talk about that. If people wanted to like work with you for behavior, how do they go about getting in touch with you for that? Yeah, so you can always find me on social media, another area where I am inconsistently consistent, but you can find me on all social channels at Bella Luna Family, or you can send me a DM there. Or if you head to our website, which is bellalunafamily.com, there's a services drop down and right there it says behavior and we do one-on-one behavior consultations and some parents especially I'm working with a mom right now she's so amazing but she had a lot of trauma in her childhood and she's trying to undo all of that in her parenting and so she signed up for a five series like sessions with me and it's been amazing because every single time we meet she's got like these new epiphanies and I get to hear about all of the amazing changes that are happening with her family so depending on what parents need I just want to meet them where they're at and offer help wherever I can. No that's so cool. I think that I I would be excited I feel like if I was struggling with behavior to like get to work with you and get to chat with you through these different struggles. What are the like, like top of mind, what are like the most common behavior things that you work with families on? Lots of not listening, which is infuriating, hitting, 
you know, biting, those types of things. Those are so triggering for fam, for parents. I talked with a sweet family yesterday that their 17-month-old hitting people when they picked him up. And I was like, well, how would you feel if somebody went and picked you up and you didn't want to be picked up? I probably hit you too. <laughs> but so a lot of those, you know, that physical type stuff, sibling rivalry. A lot of what I do too is sometimes parents have unrealistic expectations of what their children are capable of. And if you have unrealistic expectations, you're going to hold your children to a standard that they just might not be at developmentally. Um, And that's going to set you up for for disaster because you're expecting them to behave in a way that their brains are just not capable of yet. And it's going to just create a huge rift because their parents sometimes are expecting their children to have adult logic and thought patterns and they just can't because their children and their brains are not going to be fully developed until they're 25 years old. Um, And it's really difficult to give grace if you're expecting your child to function at a level that they're not capable of. Mm -hmm. And then that starts this negative feedback loop. And then it starts all sorts of behavior issues that come in with it and can cause long-term self-esteem issues as well as damage to the relationship. So Mm -hmm. a lot of it is just explaining, you know, what children are capable of developmentally and how to be positive with your children because a lot of us came from generations where um, children were seen but not heard, right? Or, Or that you were a bad kid, especially if you, you know, had were someone who was, I don't know, inattentive, impulsive, hyperactive, <laughs> right? Lots of negative feedback. And that oftentimes doesn't work well. And it just results in more behavior issues and behavior rifts between parents. So teaching them how to be more positive and look at the world from their children's point of view. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things for like moms with ADHD too is like we feel and it's accurate that we are inconsistent in our parenting. So I am always a big fan of like having a system or like something for my brain to be like, this is how I respond. X happens. This is Y response. So definitely. I have a taming tantrums guide on the freebies page, which is great to print out for the fridge because when we start to um, get angry, our children trigger us when they get, when they're having a tantrum, it triggers us. And then oftentimes we start feeding off of each other. So I created a tantrums guide that you um, can put on your fridge. And so when your child starts melting down, it gives you something to go and like focus on, like, this is what I'm supposed to do right now. And so it's really, really helpful because I always say you don't have to parent every behavior right in the moment. Mm-hmm. It can wait. And you can come back to it. Well, especially when they are in like tantrum mode, it's like fight or flight. Like nobody is going to have any logical thought in that moment. No. So, well, thank you so much, Christine. I would like to wrap up with like a quick game and then we can send you on your way. Is that okay? I love games. (laughs) Yeah. So the game is, would you rather? And I'm obsessed, like low-key obsessed with ChatGPT, so I feed it information (laughs) about my guests, and then uh, I ask it to do would-you-rather questions, so. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
if it's if they're bad i always say blame the robot <laughs> it's not okay. me <laughs> okay <laughs> would you rather have the ability to instantly understand and address the underlying cause of a client's sleep issue but struggle to keep track of appointment times okay so you that would be like you're late but you're really good at understanding their struggles or would you rather be incredibly punctual and organized but find it challenging to identify the root causes of sleep problems so clearly the first one because that's pretty much my life that's like Um, current status i mean that's just current status so we might as well just stick with what i'm good at Face chat GPT. Stick with what you know. I did feed it like ADHD and sleep consulting. Um, would you rather have an exceptional talent for creating personalized sleep schedules for clients, but occasionally forget important details during consultations, or have an impeccable memory for client information, but struggle to create effective sleep plans? This is easy too. So this is hard because I'm kind of like good at both. So I think I would rather omit things because I can always share those later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause you can forget, like I have poor word finding. So I of course have a podcast, but like, so I forget words a lot. You can always like come up with the word later and share it if you think of it. Right. Totally. Yeah. Would you rather have a have the power to eliminate all distractions and stay hyper-focused during consultations but occasionally mix up clients' names or be an excellent communicator <laughs> and remember every detail about your clients but get easily distracted during appointments? This, this is giving me, like, chills from my, like, client days. Uh, I feel like maybe sometimes both of those things happen. Same. Like sometimes, <laughs> like I call the dad by the wrong name. I never call the kids or the mom by the wrong name. Mm-hmm. Sometimes just the poor dads, but I'm just doing my best with both of those. So, yeah. <laughs> There's no preference. Um, no, I'm just no. going to roll with it. Both of those things just happen. <laughs> I Yeah, same. I feel like that's just what naturally those things happen to everybody. So whatever. At least that's what I like to tell myself. (laughs) Everybody listening to this podcast. Okay. Would you rather have a deep understanding of various relaxation techniques and be able to teach them effectively, but occasionally struggle with maintaining a consistent schedule for yourself or have an incredibly structured daily routine, but find it challenging to explain relaxation methods to clients? Uh, we'll just stick with me being good with relaxation methods and the schedule. I like to say it stays a little fluid. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Would you rather, last one, would you rather possess exceptional problem solving skills and think outside the box to tackle sleep challenges, but occasionally lose track of time or have superb time management skills, but find it difficult to come up with innovative, innovative solutions for clients? I'm going to lean into what comes naturally to me. So innovative, out of the box thinking and punctuality is something that I do my best with. It's aspirational. Yeah. I'm 
usually at least a couple of minutes late for everything, but it's way better. I used to be hours late when I was younger. So again, going in the right direction. Yeah. We call that Kayla time in my household. Well, thank you. So it's been so lovely chatting with you and you've already shared your socials, but I think you should probably share it again, just so everyone knows where to go. Yeah. At Bella Luna family, hang out primarily on Instagram little bit of Facebook, but you can find us both places, no matter where you like to hang out. And then website is bellalunafamily.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, Christine. Thank you. It was so fun. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Mothering Together. I hope you found it helpful and inspiring. If you want to keep the conversation going and connect with other amazing moms with ADHD, then I'd love for you to join our private Facebook group. It's a great way to get more tips, support, and community. You can find the link in the show notes. And if you have any burning questions or ideas for future episodes, I'm always here to help. So just shoot me an email at motheringtogetherpodcast at gmail.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Remember, you're not alone in this journey. We're all in it together and together we can create a more joyful and fulfilling life. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch you in the next episode.